You're listening to the Sunday Sermon from Cardington Church of the Nazarene in Cardington, Ohio. If you need prayer, encouragement, or support, please don't hesitate to reach out. As always, our website and email are in the show notes. We serve a great God, and it's my hope that He speaks to you through the sermon today. Kirsten and I have been homeowners now for just a few years, and it's kind of a new thing for us. And, and anybody who, who, who owns a home probably knows that all the time, if something's not coming up, like if problems aren't coming up, there's all these projects that you have that you want to do, right? And, and, it, and it, the list never ends. Even if your house is brand new, I'm pretty sure this is the case. Uh, ours is not brand new. But even if your house is brand new, I'm pretty sure it's the case where you always have all these projects you want to do. And, and it seems like it's ne- you have great intentions and you make the list. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this next. I'm going to do this next. But then, it, it, at least for us, I know some people are more motivated than us when it comes to that stuff. Is It's like a year goes by and nothing's happened. And a year goes by and nothing's happened. But... When we first moved in, our first Christmas, so a year ago at Christmas, uh, Kirsten, uh, we realized that we had something in our old house that we really missed about our new house. And Kirsten was like, I want to put our stockings over the fireplace on a mantle, and we don't have a fireplace. And I was like, I understand what you're saying. Because we just had them hanging on the wall, and not that that does, that's okay, right? That's fine. But, but it was like, it didn't feel quite right, okay? And so I said, Kirsten, I, we will figure out a mantle. And we both thought, like, there's no way we're going to do anything about that. Because we don't, we don't actually follow through with this stuff, right? But we decided we're going to do it. And I said, you know what? I'm really going to do it. I'm gonna, and, and I'm, for those of you who, who know me, maybe you don't, I'm not the handiest person, okay? Uh, I, I, I can change the oil in the car. I can. I, thank you. I don't. <laughs> I don't do it, but I can. Uh, I can, like, I know how to use a power drill. I know how to do that. Most of the time, anyway. I usually can at least Google and figure out what tool I need for the job, right? I'm not completely useless. I'm a good learner, but I'm not a handy person. But I decided I'm going to figure out how we can get us a mantle over a fireplace. And I knew one of my good friends, his name is Danny. He helped me move to Cardington. He's actually a police officer in Worcester. He said, I can help you with that. I knew that he had built one at his previous home. And he's like, I can do that. I can help you with that. And we had an electric fireplace insert. And I wanted to mount my TV up there. And we decided, like, I want to do this, right? And so he's like, well, I can help you because he's a nice guy, which is good, right? And he said, I'll I'll come up there. I have two days off in a row. I'll just come up and I'll help you do it. It's like, okay, maybe I'll actually, maybe we'll actually get this done, okay? So we we plan for it. Financially, we plan we're going to buy the stuff. We decide we're going to do it. And he comes over, we write up plans, which is great because I would have had no idea how to write up plans and something like this. I said, this is what I want. I want it to be this tall, this wide. We want the fireplace here. I want the TV here. Uh, Anyway, so he's like, well, this is what we need. And he made up a materials list, which is like, you need a materials list, it turns out. So he comes and his job, he says, I'm going to come these two days. I'm going to get there early. I'm going to bring my truck and my trailer. We're going to go get the stuff, okay? And again, I'm not the most handy guy uh, that there is. And so normally when a project starts, I'll like begin it, and then I'll realize this is way more than I thought it would be. I'm not going to do this, <laughs> right? That's, it just gets overwhelming right at the beginning, right? And so Danny comes. He's got the list for me, and he takes me to the store. We go to Menards, and we get to Menards, and I realize we have to go around the store and pick up this obscene amount of things that you would, it, it seems like it wouldn't be that much stuff, this obscene amount of materials to make this one thing, right? And so he takes me around and shows me where everything is, and I told him, I was like, there's no way I would have done this on my own because I would have got to the store and realized, I'm not making a fool out of myself here and doing this on my own, right? Everyone's going to know I don't go to Menards very often, right? But I decided, he did it, he took me around, we got all the stuff, we got it home. It was amazing. Uh, and then he taught me all the lingo that you need to know, right? And it, it, I know what level means, 
and what true. I know what level and what true and what plum means. It turns out plum is like the opposite of level. I didn't know that. I learned all this, right? So like level this way, level this way. True means level everywhere. I learned all these things. It's pretty cool. And I learned how to use a miter saw. He brought that. I don't have one of those, right? And I learned all these things, and it was super fun. And so basically, there's a picture. Show the picture. We made this thing. I know they look, the picture looks crooked. It's how I was standing. It's actually very straight. I want you to know that, okay? But I do want to say, when we, we framed the front wall, okay, which is like, our ceiling's like nine and a half feet tall. So this is a big thing. We did it on the floor and put it all together, and then we're going to lift it up and put it up. And so we built it. It was perfect, and I helped him lift it up. We got it up there, and it felt so accomplished. It was like, man, what a reward. We've just put a wall up. And he's like, I don't think that's true. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't think that's square. I said, what do you mean? And we backed up, and I looked at it, and it was like this. And I was like, how does that happen? And we be- it wasn't like that on the floor. Well, old houses, they're, cro- you know, they're crooked and stuff. And so basically what we did is we, we lined up everything and measured everything. We put lines where you're supposed to go, right, so that we knew. When we put it back up here right, it's got to be on this line and on this line. We had a diagram of, like, if it's not here, it's not right, okay? So all we did was take it down, put it up, and there it was, and it looked exactly how it was supposed to look, and it was right, and it's beautiful. And we still, we use it all the time. It's great. It's, it's beautiful. We have, a, we put our, our, uh, what do you call those things? Stockings. We put them over the fireplace. It was so fun. It's great. We think it's beautiful. It's functional. And like, I had a large part in building it. I, I know that I would not have done that if it wasn't for him. He did a lot of stuff I didn't know how to do, helped me with a lot of things. And it is not perfect. I, I don't really want you to come, come, come over and like inspect it too closely, okay? But it is beautiful. It does what we want it to do. And it was a lot of fun. But I learned that like level is one thing, but actually doing it the right way and completing it is another. And so what you always do, and we might not have done it from the very start, but what you always have to do is you got to mark everything like crazy, like put lines all over it so you know before you start exactly what is true and what is level and what is plumb and what is square and what is right. you got to have the line because if you don't have the line, it can look perfect until you stand back and you look at it and it's not straight anymore, okay? It has got to be true, and so I, I, this story came to mind because when I learned that term, I didn't really know that was a true. I didn't know it was a, a term you say, right? But we're going to be talking about true worship today. This is our second Sunday in Lent, the time as we, as we reflectively think about uh, what Jesus went through the last 40 days on earth, as we prepare for Easter, as we prepare ourselves and our hearts and our minds for what's coming in anticipation for that great day. This is the second Sunday of Lent, and we are going to be talking about true worship today. So we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 12. It's kind of a long scripture. It's on the screen. It is long, though, so if you want to look it up. I also want to say, um, it's a lot, but it's so good. If you read this every day this week, you will not be disappointed. I promise you. There's so much more than I'm going to, I'm going to have time to get into. Um, in fact, uh, I actually preached on this like four or five months ago, two sermons on the same passage. We're going to be talking about different stuff today. Um, there's so much in here. If you read this every day, it will be, uh, it will be a blessing to you. You will learn that the Lord will speak to you, I promise. Um, but it's Romans 12, 1 through 21. This is what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not have all the same function, 
So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's Romans 12, 1 through 21. And I know it's a lot. It's a ton of stuff. I I understand that. But like I said, seriously, if you have time, if you want to take the time, if you want to commit to it, read it every day. Uh, It is a very good passage of Scripture today. Um, But we are talking today about true worship. True and proper worship. Worship, And at the beginning, in the very first verse, in verse 12, it says, Therefore, Paul writes this, Therefore, I urge you. And when Paul writes, this is the 12th chapter, right, of Romans. When he writes, he says all these things. And if he's going to say something he really wants you to pay attention to, which, to be fair, is all of it. But if he says something he really wants you to hear, he says, Therefore, I urge you. Every, listen up to this point, to this stuff right here that I'm saying. I've said all this stuff. Keep that in mind. But remember this. This is good. I urge you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, everybody who's reading this, listen to this part. It says this, in view of God's mercy, so seeing what God has done for you, understanding that God has not punished you when maybe you deserve it, understanding that God loves you no matter what, in view of God's mercy, you are to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We talked about this at at Bible study on Wednesday, so some of you have uh, a bit of a spoiler, but... When you hear the word sacrifice, what comes to mind? It can be rhetorical. I'll give you my answer. When you hear sacrifice, what comes to mind? For me, and this isn't for everyone, right? The first thing that comes to my mind is death. Like, kill, right? Because when you think about sacrifice in like its most original term, like the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, when you think of it in old ritualistic ways, sacrifice means kill an animal for, and offer it right? To a deity, right? To God or to some God to show that you're serious about your commitment in that relationship with that God or with that person for for them to know that this is for you. I've given you something good. I've used up and wasted something that otherwise I could have had for you so that you know I'm serious, right? That's sacrifice in my mind immediately brings on thought of death. But what's crazy is Paul, I think he knows the people he's writing to might think this way. And he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is the opposite. This is not just a different word. It's the opposite word of death. A living sacrifice. 
Because a living sacrifice is holy and pleasing to God. What is a living sacrifice? Well, sacrifice is a word that we use all the time in our culture today. And it does not connect us the same way that uh, sacrifice used to, right? It It doesn't lead us to believe the same things or to think the same things that it used to. For us, sacrifice comes up in relationships all the time, right? If you want to have a relationship with anyone, friend, family, cousin, wife, husband, whatever, spouse, okay? If you want to have a successful relationship, you must sacrifice. It is required. Sacrifice is an important part of everyday living, right? We can, because the opposite of sacrifice means... So, so a sacrifice, I guess, in this way is like doing something, inconveniencing yourself for the good of someone or something else, right? So inconveniencing, doing something you would not do for the good of someone who is not you, So the direct opposite of sacrificing in a relationship would be doing what I want to do for myself. And that's what people do naturally, right? If we're alone and if we make the decisions we want to make and if we think of no one else, which is kind of how people are wired, we make decisions that are for ourselves, which is the opposite of sacrifice. Because in a relationship, if you decide what's best for you and think nothing of anyone else, you're not really going to have a good one. Because... The other person feels unseen and unheard, right? We all have experience with this. I'm sure we've all made bad decisions before. I have. We've said things we didn't mean. We've said things that were in our own benefit, right? But if we do stuff and, and if we make decisions and we live our lives in a way that is thinking about others above ourselves, this is sacrifice. And this is how relationships work, right? This is how marriages last. This is how families stay together. This is how friends stay friends. If you understand that sometimes what's best for myself isn't what's best for for everyone. Sometimes what's best for me isn't always the best for everyone. And this is what Paul is saying is like, listen, the sacrifice you're thinking of, that used up, gone thing that is only used once that you get rid of, that's dead, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying live your life completely in tune with Jesus. And guess what Jesus did? Sacrificed. Jesus made decisions, and he lived his life, and he went directions, and he met people that were inconveniencing to him. He made decisions that were, at the time, maybe even against the law. They inconvenienced him very greatly, all for him to be able to sacrifice for the good of other people, people who he loved. A living sacrifice. Sacrifice is required in relationship. And then the thing that we are supposed to sacrifice, and this is where it gets... I guess a little, a little more I don't like to talk about it, okay? I said this at Bible study too. This has probably been, like I said, I preached on this a few months ago. I didn't think about it this way. This has been the most, some of the most convicting stuff for me this week, okay? Going through all this and listening to the Spirit and saying, what do I talk about? Hearing that my body is important to God has been convicting for me. And I'm not saying I do terrible things to my body all the time, okay? I'm not. But I, and again... Maybe you don't know me. Maybe you do. I like food. I really like food. It's one, of my, it's one of my greatest pleasures in life. I love to eat good food. When I was in college, I'll give you this story for the sake of understanding how much I like food and also how much maybe I do things I shouldn't to my body. I don't know. And I, when I was in college, me and about five of my friends, Kirsten went, some of their significant others went at the time too. It was uh, endless shrimp at Red Lobster. 
one of my favorite times of year. I love endless. I still love it. Still love the endless shrimp. Uh, and it was college. And what they do, I don't know if you've ever been, but it, it means it's unending, right? They bring you all you want. So they'll bring you a plate of like two or three, and you eat them, and they come back, and they say, oh, do you want more? Okay, what do you want? And so we decided we would have a competition, me and five friends, uh, a competition to see who could eat the most shrimp, okay? Because we all like shrimp a lot. And you got to really, in college, all your money, it feels like there's not too much of it, so you really got to make it last. And so that $14.95 needed to give me $14.95 worth of value, hopefully more, right? So we made sure that we got our money's worth that day. And we all had a competition, and we kept eating and eating, and the waitress would come back and say, what do you want? And she would bring us more, and she would come back and say, what do you want? And she'd type it in the computer. And at the end of our night, we said, we asked her, what's the most that you've ever, like, how mu- what's the most refills you've ever brought to a table? And she said, oh, you guys passed that like an hour ago. I know. So I was like, oh, well, okay, this is, we're like doing it pretty good, I guess, right? We were there for like four hours, okay? And I thought, I lo- I'm, I'm not as big as some of the people who are with me, right? They're all my size and larger, but I thought, I gotta, I, I'm good at eating shrimp. I got a chance. I got third place that night, and I had 138 shrimp, Okay. I know. It is pretty amazing. I know. I know. It's a lot. We put all our tails on one plate, and the plate was this big, and it was like a mound. It was literally like, a, like bigger than a basketball, just filled with tails of shrimp. It was insane. And I, I got third place. Like I said, someone had like 185 or something, right? And it, it's a great memory. I love the memory. I love shrimp still. But like, if I think about what that did to my body, probably, like there might be lasting problems because of that one day. I don't know. Like, that's probably enough sodium for, like, a whole week and enough calories for, like, three days just in, like, shrimp. Like, there's, like, 45 shrimp of this size in a pound. I had, like, four pounds of shrimp in one meal. And I didn't even win. It's crazy. So, as you can understand from this story, I was slightly convicted this week when I read that my body matters to God. And I don't think this is supposed to be like a, you have to go on it. I don't think even that, that your weight or like how you eat, I don't even think that's necessarily what is being referenced here. I think God is, I think Paul is telling us that God cares about how you use your body because without your body, you're dead. And when you're dead, you can't reach other people for the kingdom of God. Jesus cares about our body. He cares about what we put into it. He cares about what we do with it. He cares about how we live. And Jesus, if you really think about it, everything he did was with his body, right? He was born into a human body. He grew up the same life that we all live. He used his, his physical abilities to go and to reach other people. And guess what he was doing when he was reaching other people? He was going out of his way to care for other people's physical concerns, physical issues, their bodies. Jesus cared. If they were hungry, he fed them. If they were thirsty, he gave them a drink. And if they were needed clothes, he said, here's some clothes. If they needed healed, if they had broken limbs or if they were blind or crippled or had leprosy he fixed it because the body is important to jesus and so hearing about this it's just like i just love food but but maybe i need to think more along the lines of how can i maybe i don't have to stop eating everything bad all the time maybe not maybe i'm justifying i don't know but i think what jesus cares about is how can you use your body to reach other people for the kingdom of God. And if that means that you eat healthier so you live longer, so more people can hear about him, that's what you do. And if that means that you sleep more because you don't sleep enough, because your body needs rest, and that's what you do. Kirsten and I are reading this book. 
I hate that it's, again, I hate that it's convicting. I wish I just felt good about all of it. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You don't have to read it, but it's an interesting book. And it's basically talking about, like, if we want to do what Jesus did, if we're called to live the life that Jesus did, then we need to also take on the lifestyle that Jesus had, which meant sometimes we have to go off on our own and spend time with God and do nothing else. We can't just live our lives the way we've always lived them and expect God to just be there in fullness how he was with Jesus. If we're not doing what Jesus did, we're not going to be like Jesus was. See, the reason that story came into my mind, the reason building that fireplace came into my mind is because Jesus is that line that we drew on the wall. We don't have to worry about where we're going to go when we get there, right? All we have to do is look at the line when we get there and we know exactly where we have to go because Jesus has already done it. He has given us a diagram for how we live our lives. He has given us a true line. This is true and proper worship. What is true and proper worship? Living like Jesus Christ lived his life is true and proper worship. How do we live this way? How do we sacrifice our lives, our bodies, ourselves? By doing everything we can to live like Jesus did. And it's not in our own power. It's with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do it alone. Praise God. We already have the line there for us. You just use it. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives that helps us to be able to live this way. Because let me tell you, there's other stuff in the scripture that's convicting too. Love must be sincere, it says. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Is there a time in your life where you can remember you did not honor someone above yourself? You don't have to answer the question. But has it ever happened to you? I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably. But if we live like Jesus lived, which, praise God, is not under our own power. It's with the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we live like Jesus did, we don't have to put ourselves over other people. We can live as we were created to live and live the full life that we were created to live with, with our relationship with God and with other people, where we put other people above ourselves, where we love sincerely and we cling to what is good where we're joyful in hope, where we always have hope. Always. And I'm not trying to lessen the circumstances of your life because they're real. Everything that you have ever gone through is incredibly valid and real and it's going to be hard to get through, but you can live with hope through it with Jesus Christ. There's no other way because without it, there isn't hope. So I want you to know today, if you're going through something and it feels hopeless, there's an answer for you. And it's as easy as just asking for it. There's hope for you today. Just bless those who persecute you. Huh? It's not easy. It will not be easy. But with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can live the life that Jesus lived. He gives us the example. He's the diagram. He's got the line that's true. All we have to do is follow it. Jesus is our example. How can we be a living sacrifice? How can we use our bodies in a way that's holy and pleasing and worshipful and true and proper? All you have to do is live like Jesus. That's it. And in this time of Lent, it's a reflective time. We think about ourselves sometimes. I think part of it is we think about ourselves and what we can do to better be ready for the resurrection of Jesus. Spoiler, the good stuff comes after Lent happens. 
How can we prepare our hearts and our minds and the people around us to be ready and in anticipation and excitement for what is happening on Easter? And sometimes I think that means going in and saying, is there something I'm not doing? Is there something I have justified for long enough that I can't justify anymore? Is God saying, please stop doing this so that you can be better for my kingdom? And if he is, now is the time to listen. It's always the time to listen, right? But now is the time where you can sit down and say, I didn't listen and now I will. Now is the time for us to reflect on what it means to live our lives as living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. Because that is our true and proper act of worship. And we live lives of worship. That's what we're created to do. How do we do that? A living sacrifice. What gifts do you have that you're not using for the kingdom of God? Are you living humbly with your friends and your family? Are you, are you doing things you don't want to do for the betterment of other people ever? Are you pleasant to be around? I think that's important. I think the scripture says it's important. Do you overcome evil with good or is evil overcoming you? And I don't want any of this to be shame. I don't want, this is not putting shame on anyone. I want you to just think about the fact that all of those things can happen perfectly with the Holy Spirit in your life. When you live like Jesus Christ, this stuff works. You don't have to be overcome with evil. Good will overcome evil. You will have hope, you'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have love, and people will want to be around you. It's not just our personalities, it's when Jesus comes out, people want to be there. Today I want us to remember that God has already given us that line on the wall. So that when we go to put that wall up, when we go to put that thing we framed right up, we see exactly where it needs to go. There's no question as to if it's going to be crooked or not level or if it's built wrong, there's no question. We know exactly when we get there how we're supposed to do it because we have an example. We have someone who lived that life before us. And he did it perfectly. So all we have to do is model our lives after him, do all we can to grow closer to him. And nobody else, probably no one else you know, is going to lead you to that path. There are some people, right? There are people who understand this, who, who do their, their whole life is to teach other people this. But a lot of people are not going to lead you in this direction. But this is where hope comes from. The life that Jesus lived is where hope comes from. Living the life that Jesus lived is where hope comes from. God has already given us the line. He has already drawn up the diagram. And today my prayer is that he would open our eyes to what his will is for us. He would maybe open our eyes to things that we need to let go of or need to change. And so we could do that in anticipation for celebration of what he has done for us so that nobody misses out on it. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we come to you this morning and we're so thankful that we have a perfect and beautiful example of how we need to live our lives, God. And, we're, and we come to you and we beg for your help. Because it's not easy. And on our own power, we will never do it right. There's only so much self-discipline that we can possibly have without you. God, we pray that our relationship with you would just come out everywhere so that all people see is that we are doing our best to love you and to love. And that they would be encouraged and shown an example and empowered and encouraged to do it themselves. We 
pray that you would reveal to us your good and pleasing and perfect will in our lives. Thank you for this time uh, of the year, this Lenten season where we can just think about what you've done for us, God, where we can think about your life on this earth and where we can think about our own lives in relation to you. God, we pray that we'd be empowered and encouraged to live even more for you today. God, we pray that you would transform us. Thank you, and we love you. Amen. Amen. Um, as you go this week, as you leave this place, know that somebody did it before you so that you don't have to do it alone. You're dismissed.